Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Rocky Top Tennessee edition, as the Bengals head to Nashville and look to knock off the 7-3 Tennessee Titans. Coming up, I'll talk to locker room favorite Trenton Irwin about his first NFL touchdown catch and his promotion to the Bengals' 53-man roster. Charles Davis will be in the booth for CBS this Sunday and has some very interesting things to say about the current state of the Bengals, especially the offensive line. Then, in this week's Know the Foe segment, Nashville broadcaster John Burton gives us the inside scoop on the first-place Titans. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the good guy factor in the Bengals locker room. There are roughly 70 players on the team, including the practice squad, and I can honestly say that I can't name a single jerk. The guys are fun to deal with, very accommodating with our request for interviews and radio show appearances, and trust me, that is not the case in every NFL locker room. The Bengals have done a phenomenal job of drafting and signing players who enjoy coming to work and enjoy each other. I think it's a huge reason why this team got so good so fast. Now, let's get to football. Perhaps the biggest question this week involves the status of Jamar Chase. Will he return from his hip injury this Sunday? Here's what Zach Taylor had to say at the beginning of the week when asked if Jamar could be back. It's hard to say. You know, it's it's. we'll start working him back this week to see where he's at. Um, I don't want to make any predictions on that, but uh, everything has gone according to plan so far. And now it's just a matter of getting Matt there on the grass and seeing where he's at and, and what's his comfort level, what's our comfort level. And so that'll truly be a, a day-to-day process, you know, really starting today, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, to figure out, you know, how he factors in on Sunday. Is it a pain tolerance thing for him? Is it it really is is hard to predict. You know, it's um, again we told him to stay off of it for four weeks, which he did, and so now you get a chance these last couple of days to start getting him going a little bit, and so um, really hard to make a prediction on on uh, it's a balance of of soreness, pain, everything feels great. Impossible to make those predictions today. Jamar did practice on a limited basis on Wednesday. That's the day that Joe Burrow does his weekly news conference to discuss the upcoming game. And naturally, he was asked about the possibility of having numero uno back on the field. You know, we'll see how he's feeling. Uh, you know, we, we expect him to play. Um, you know, I know he ran yesterday and he, and he felt good. So we'll, we'll see how, he, how it goes the rest of the week. Although Joe said we expect him to play, I would take that with a grain of salt. The Bengals will obviously proceed with caution because the last thing they want to do is put Chase back on the field before he's ready. Jamar has missed three games. And while the first one went horribly, the loss in Cleveland, they've scored 42 and 37 points in their last two games without him. One of the guys who has really contributed during Jamar's absence has been Trenton Irwin, who caught his first career touchdown pass last week at Pittsburgh. Joe Burrow praised Irwin's work ethic after that game, and I asked Zach Taylor about it this week. Uh, He lives in the facility. I think he's got a room somewhere in the facility, I promise you. Whether it's the offseason, the preseason, 
if you hear a basketball bouncing from my office and I peek my head out there, it's probably Trenton getting up shots because he just worked out or he just stretched or he just did something, you know, where most guys are, are guy, I mean, off season, summer, whatever it is, he just kind of lives here. And, um, and that just doesn't mean he's just killing time. He's, he's trying to achieve something, whether it's getting with Darren extra for special teams work, you know, just mentally trying to, trying to be better on special teams because he understands the value of that as a receiver, that when you're not a starter, how that fits into play. And so, he, again, he has done – I promise you, Trent goes to bed at night knowing that he did everything he possibly could to be ready for his opportunity when it comes. And so those are the types of guys that you can just see – I mean, that's one of the few ones I watched the TV copy of that touchdown just to watch the reaction from the players, the coaches on the sideline, the staff members, because um, everybody in here knows how hard the guy works and how much he deserved that moment. Trenton Irwin is 26 years old and has been with the Bengals for four years, nearly all of it spent on the practice squad. I caught up with the former Stanford Cardinal. Trent and I asked Zach Taylor about you this week, and he said, quote, he lives in the building. I think he's got a room here somewhere. And then he said he goes to bed at night knowing he did everything to make the most of his opportunity. What's your reaction to those comments? Well, I mean, that's a compliment and a half right there. But, um, I mean, that's not true. I do stay in here a lot. Um, I try to come in here off days every time for sure. But, you know, even the bye week, I just stayed here instead of going back home and just, just trying to be the most prepared I can be for when the opportunities come. And they've been coming more lately, so happy for that. Your teammates went bananas when you caught your first NFL touchdown catch last week. What did their reaction mean to you? I think it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I actually had like a dance ready and they all showed up. So I was like, I wish we could celebrate together. But that, that's the way I want to do it anyway, celebrate together as a team. Um, you know, just having that reaction. And actually, I think part of that too was having last week's taken away with the, the call there. So everyone was like, ah, you know, he had it. And so it was good to get back in the zone. Yeah, let's go back to that uh, touchdown catch because I think it was a touchdown against Carolina. You're just on the edge of the end zone. You reach out. It's a question as to whether you got both feet down inbounds. I watched the replay a bunch of times. I think your right foot was down. Did you get ripped off? I feel like I got ripped off. I do. I do, 100%. But it's one of those they call it incomplete on the field. It's hard to overturn type of things. Um, we made up for it in the next game. Now we made it happen. So it, it was it was tough. It hurt, but it Turn back around. Yeah, the good news is you didn't have to wait long to get the one that counted uh, last week against the Steelers. Let's describe that play. Are you the first option there? Do you have a pretty good idea when they snap the ball that Joe's coming to you? Not at all. Not at all. TB was the first option there. I was supposed to help it out for TB, and they played uh, different covers than we were expecting. And uh, a little scramble drill, you know, Joe put it in a good spot and made a play, and I really had no shot, Mm. no idea I was going to get that ball, so... Be prepared yes. every time they snap it. You received a game ball after the game. Where is it, and where will it ultimately wind up? Game ball is uh, it's definitely in my, my condo right now, just sort of chilling there. Uh, I took it with me all through the airport, on the airplane, you know, through the bus, all that good stuff. But I'm going to send it back home and get it framed or get it in a box, however you frame a football. I have to learn that one. I don't even know that one yet. But. Some sort of uh, glass case or box or something, I'm guessing. We're visiting with Trenton Irwin. During the last three games, you were elevated from the practice squad to the game day roster. A team can only do that three times during the course of a season. You played so well that you have now been promoted full-time to the 53-man roster. Get a nice pay raise, among other things. But is it a relief 
It's definitely a huge compliment. You know, it's a, it's you know getting up there three weeks in a row and then getting the fourth week to fifty three. You know, that's that's always the goal for me. But I mean, it's um, you know it's not nothing I haven't proven. You know, I've been able to go week in week out and make some plays, and I'm excited to continue to make some plays when the opportunities come. You guys scored a bunch of points each of the last two weeks without Jamar Chase. What's it say about the offense that you guys were able to thrive without him? I mean, Jamar is special. He's special in everything that he does. But um, our offense has been able to tick, and, you know, ball's been spread around. People have been making plays, different people making plays between Joe, you know, Burrow, obviously, but Mixon and T and TB. So, I mean, it just shows that we have a lot of pieces on this team, both through attitude and, you know, playmaking ability to be able to create explosives for the team. Trenton, it's your fourth year with the Bengals. Much of that time has been spent on the practice squad. What's the hardest thing about doing all the work during the course of the week and not getting to experience the joy of game day? Man, it's a tease. It's just a tease every week. You know, you, I love the game. I love the preparation. But being able to make a play for the team, to be able to, you know, have that adversity, that moment, it's, you know, it's like something you crave. And it's a little bit of a tease to just be at practice, you know, going through the motions type of thing. But you can't be going through the motions if you want to be elevated because you got to continue to – get better there so it's it's been a tease but you know as long as it is I'm, I'm playing playing ball on the team right now so I'm happy do you find a way to turn practice into a game I think they do a very good job of that I think uh, they do some competition drills um, but also on scout team you know me Stanley's been there for uh, some time with me and we always we always said our Thursdays were our game days when we weren't active so you head to Tennessee this week Knocked them out of the playoffs on their home field last year. I'm sure the fans are going to be salty on Sunday. What do you expect the atmosphere to be like? Oh, it'll be rowdy for sure. It'll be rowdy. Uh, you know, I mean, they're they're coming coming for us, but I mean, this is this is like a playoff game as well. You know, we got to come out there. We got to win. This is must win. So I think you know, I think we all approaching it with that manner, and I think I think the result will show. In their last seven games, they have not given up more than 17 points in regulation. How would you describe their defense? Wow, I didn't know that's that. Um, their front is definitely the strength of their defense there. Their front sevens, you know, I mean, they, they showed that in the playoffs as well. Um, but, you know, they're they're in every position. They're just a little bit nasty. They're physical. You know, they're going to play that way, and that's that's variable there. You know, that's him going and picking up those types of guys, and it's going to be a competition. But, um, I mean, I think we're going more than 17. So, Final question for Trenton Irwin. You joined Dave Lapham and me on a radio show a few weeks ago. Somebody approached you and asked you to sign a box of Velveeta <laughs> because you were in a Velveeta commercial when you were a kid. Is that the all-time weirdest autograph request you've received, and uh, has it started a trend? So I've signed two Velveeta boxes. Is it the all-time weirdest? Some kids be creative with the weird stuff. I signed a fork once. I don't know why I was signing a fork. Um, the Velveeta boxes, those are always fun because it shows they know some background information. But, I mean, it, it probably up there is one of the weirdest. How do you even sign a fork? I tried to figure it out. It didn't look pretty. <laughs> it did not look pretty, but it, it was what it was. I handed it back to him. It was a metal fork, and he was happy. So that's all that matter there. That's good stuff. Congrats on your first NFL touchdown catch last week. Best of luck this Sunday. Appreciate you. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Alta Fiber future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. And by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. 
The road to the Super Bowl last year included a stunning 1916 win over the top-seeded Titans on their home field. It was the first road playoff win in Bengals history, and they pulled off the upset despite Joe Burrow being sacked nine times. So what's it going to take to do it again? I discussed the matchup with one of the guys who will call the game on TV this Sunday. Ian Eagle and Charles Davis will be in the booth for CBS this week, and the former Tennessee safety joins us now. Charles, you had the Bengals Steelers back in week one. You also had the Bengals Jets game, but I want to go back to that first game. What did you think of the Bengals when you walked out of the booth at Paycor Stadium that day? Well, the first thing I thought, Dan, was I didn't give enough credence to a cardinal rule and an adage that I'm quite aware of and, and believe in, and that is that offensive lines take time. Continuity is real. The best ones have played together, spent time. You know, what's that great phrase? It's all through the NFL now. Time on task. They've all done it. And it doesn't just happen just because you bring in new people who are very good at their positions. And then you throw in Lyle Collins really didn't practice all the run up to like he would get like one, two days in before the season opener. So when you put it together, yes, Lyle Collins is an upgrade at right tackle. Alex Cap is an upgrade at right guard. Ted Karras is an upgrade at center. You're hoping that Cordell Volson will be an upgrade eventually, at least with him, he was a rookie. So you exactly, you said to yourself, okay, that you know is gonna take some time. And Jonah Williams, you knew it was a proven factor. But we went into that game, and let me re rephrase that. I went into that game. Wow, I can't wait to see this Bengals offensive line. And they struggled. Rough ball game. And let's face it, just about anyone who plays Pittsburgh is going to struggle. And they did. But fast forward to just last week, and you've seen an offensive line now that's had time on task. If I'm not mistaken, Dan, every guy has made every start. You don't get that in the league very often now because of injuries and all that. And boy, did it show up against Pittsburgh last week. Seven. If you just want to boil it down to one stat, seven sacks given up in the first game, two in the second game. Just off of that, you've seen the improvement, but it was a lot bigger than that. that now this offensive line is a factor as expected, and that's my takeaway from week one. So how good is the group 10 games in? Middle of the pack, top third, not near the bottom. What do you think of the offensive line? Definitely top third and, and trending upwards, getting better. You know, they, they've hit their stride now to where they go into it and they're not having to account for each other as much as believe in each other. And the difference for me is very simply this. In the opener, you were counting for each other. Zach Taylor as a head coach and play caller had to count for that. Brian Callahan, do I keep tight end more in more to chip and make sure I'm protecting my quarterback? Do I make sure the back check checks it before he gets out into a scat, you know, no scat protection where he just gets out, but keep him in? Do I do those sorts of things? I think there's a lot less of that now in watching them over the last few weeks and seeing them being able to do that. And when they look at each other, they kind of know what the move is without having to call out the code words and do things like that. Although I'm sure there's still plenty of communication going on that's what good offensive lines do but they're definitely one of the better ones they're not going to get the credit for it because the numbers are so heavily skewed from the beginning of the year when you give up 13 sacks in your first two games you're playing from behind the rest of the year dan <laughs> as we well know but i think that if you take it from let's say two weeks ago to the rest of the season then you're going to be able to compare them and say oh that's a people will go oh wow that's a really good you know they've come together so i see them i see that happening for them and Joe Burrow, look, when you protect him, look out. He's tough enough when you don't protect him because that opening game, 
The Steelers won it, but did the Bengals actually lose it? I think a case could be made on that. We're chatting with Charles Davis from CBS. So the Bengals are six and four right now. They're the seventh and final playoff seed in the AFC. How good are the Bengals right now? They're good enough to play against anyone. I know everyone's talked about their schedule, and, and my colleague Adam Archuleta talked about it last week on the broadcast, and he's right. Bengals got to earn their way, okay, because there are no soft touches for the Bengals all the way out the rest of the season. But at the same time, everyone who plays them is feeling like, oh, boy, got to get ready for this squad. And when you look at numbers, and again, I'm not trying to go Vin Scully here. God rest his soul, one of the greatest ever. I still love how Vin could weave a stat into something and make it sound so incredible. And he's now batting 275 on a Tuesday when the temperature is 48 49 degrees. And you're like, whoa. And you're like, what was that, right? But it, but it felt really important. But you look at the numbers for the Bengals, offensive offense, they're very good except for the running game. Defense, really good, okay, especially when you're talking about them shutting people down on third downs and getting off the field. You know, things that you like what you see from them, all right? You like this, you count on the experience, even with injuries, things come along. I think they're going to be a tough out for anyone they play. And a lot of people are going to talk about games looking even because of records, they remind me a little bit of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. San Francisco six and four, but I think a case could be made. They're the best team in the NFC. Cincinnati six and four and in second place in their division. There's a case that could be made that that's the team you don't want to deal with. That's where I think Cincinnati is right now. You've got a Vin Scully imitation. I'm impressed. <laughs> I just love it, right, Dan? I mean, you, I mean, you've done it. How many times have we listened to Vin Scully give us a stat, and we've just gone, "Oh my goodness!" And then later on, you thought to yourself, "Who comp- who computes what the temperature was on yeah. a certain date in St. Louis in 1947?" Vin Scully didn't. It sure sounded good to me. All right, let's talk secondary. That's the position you played at Tennessee. The Bengals have lost Chidabay Awuje. I think he's a top five corner in the NFL. You can't go find a guy like that in the middle of a season. How good is the Bengals secondary without him? Obviously, they're reduced without him because he's what you said. He's one of your top players, and he's only gotten better and better in his time in Cincinnati. You know, he was relying on so much talent in Dallas. But then he refined it in Cincinnati. And he was a guy who liked to take on the challenge. He wanted to travel with the number one receiver. He wore CB1 across his heart. He wanted to be that guy. Send me, well, you can't do that now because it's not quite the same. You're trying to, you know, figure some things out at corner. But that's where Cam Taylor Britt comes into play. This is why he was drafted. And I think he's gotten better as time has gone on. And I just love what Lou Anarumo does with the defense. But I think now you go back and you say, okay. Here's where my veterans come into play. Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Mike Hilton, three guys who can hold down the middle. And of course, Hilton going with the nickels and doing those things and help those younger guys out. Even when they make a mistake, you have some erasers behind them that make that mistake, that keep that mistake from being too huge. So I still think it's a very good secondary. Obviously, without a Wouzier, I think it'd be disingenuous to say, oh, it's just as good. That's not true. Well, Wouzier is that type of a player. The Bengals didn't have Jamar Chase last week. They lost Joe Mixon in the first half, and they dropped 37 on the Steelers in Pittsburgh with T.J. Watt back. What does that say about the Bengals' offense? It says that they've adjusted. Because you remember when Jamar Chase wasn't around the first week? I had zero doubt in my mind that they would be fine. 
In fact, I opined everywhere people asked me, and probably even when they didn't ask me, they were going to be okay. Remember that game, Dan? It was Halloween. It's Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. And I said, ah. <laughs> and I remember I actually said on, on, on a CBS HQ, they asked me who I liked in the game. I said, Cincinnati, I've never been stronger on a pick than this one this year. <laughs> Halloween night got me. And they had to go through a little adjustment period. But a reason, my reasoning at the time still stands for me because we've seen it since then. T. Higgins is a WR1 in most places. Tyler Boyd, before T. Higgins and before Jamar Chase showed up, led the team in receiving for three straight years. It's not a matter of him not understanding how to get open. Hayden Hurst is a more than quality tight end, who I thought, okay, he'll get more opportunities. Joe Mixon, yeah, we know the trouble running football. We've seen that throughout the year. It finally started to come together. But he could catch the ball in the backfield. P. Ryan could catch the ball in the backfield. So I thought that they would adjust and Joe Burrow would find the best matchups. That one night didn't happen very well. Since then, with the growth of the offensive line, yeah, all those weapons are still out there. And when you get Chase back, if you get him back this week, next week, whenever it is, things go back not so much to normal, but they keep getting better because everyone gained more confidence in doing more things while he was out. This is a very difficult matchup with Jamar Chase or without Jamar, Jamar Chase for any defense to deal with. Let's talk about the Titans. They've won seven of their last eight. The only loss in overtime at Kansas City when they didn't have Ryan Tannehill. How is this team doing it? The same way they always do it. A head coach who sets a tone and a tenor and, 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 and some, some absolutes that he makes his team play to and his staff. They, you know, they, they have their... We all know Pittsburgh. The standard is the standard, right? So everyone has their version of that, whatever you want to call it. But I call them absolutes for every team, okay? Because every coach says the same thing. You get what you coach, right? You do. You get what you demand. Well, whatever is your absolute in Tennessee, absolutes are going to be we're going to be strong on defense, right? They're number one in the league in third down defense. They, and remember, Dan, two seasons ago, they went to the playoffs giving up over 53% on third down, the worst since the merger, and somehow got in anyway, right? going to be tough that way. It's going to be Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry until, until further notice. But when Ryan Tannehill can throw play action off of all that Derrick Henry and Traylon Burks lives up to being a first-round draft pick and can break people down in the secondary, now you're starting to get there. Because their numbers with the receivers won't scare you at all. In fact, the numbers with the receivers are really abysmal, okay? But Henry, when he's running the football, and you have to respect that, when Tannehill gets that time and is locked in as he was Thursday night in Green Bay where he threw for over 300 that night and Burks had a big night, the first one he's had all year long, if they can keep ascending like that on offense, then it's look out. Because now you're going to start throwing on first down. You're going to go play action right then and there and get those heavy boxes and create better matchups in the secondary. But the biggest thing for me is Tennessee wakes up every morning <laughs> and before their feet hit the floor coming out of bed, they know who they are, and they live to it. And that's why you have what you have. Tennessee, Cincinnati, both 0-2 starts. Since then, <laughs> been pretty darn good. I think Tennessee 7 of 8, Cincinnati 6 of 8. That's a pretty strong matchup right there. Both of them have their, a strong sense of identity and a strong sense of self. So the Bengals went there in the playoffs last year, knocked off the Titans when they were the number one seed in the AFC. The fans are going to be salty this Sunday in Nashville. There's no doubt about it. What are a couple of keys for the Bengals to go there and beat them again? 
Well, I think it's I think it's pretty simple. We just talked about identity and sense of self, right? If Joe Mixon is able to go because of the injury he had last week, obviously we're going to treat that with, with, with major caution and err on the side of that. But if he's able to go or if it's P. Ryan and maybe Travion Williams running the football well enough, it doesn't have to be beating people up. It doesn't have to be that the old you have to run the ball in the AFC North to win it. Yeah, you got to run it well enough so that you can get to the other stuff you want to get to. And that is Joe Burrow flinging it out wide to Higgins, to Boyd, to Hayden Hurst, and just being able to dissect defenses, just giving that little extra count of time in order to get that done. Defensively, not giving up anything big in terms of Henry. Meet him at the point of attack. He's going to break some tackles. So I think the Bengals are wearing white this week. A lot of white shirts around Derrick Henry, okay? First guy, it can't just be him alone because that person, I don't care who it is, deal with Derrick Henry. He's going to break something, all right? You may meet him in the hole. You may meet him in the backfield. He's going to get a little more than what is there. The key is if it's only one person, it might be a lot more than what is there. Multiple people getting to Henry and then making sure you don't give a chance, give Tannehill a chance to get off throwing the football. And right now, that's Traylon Burks, the rookie out of Arkansas. They've got other people that they'll mix in. They're still waiting for Robert Woods to really break out, but he had six catches last week. But the big thing is, just like in the playoffs, don't let Henry get going. And by the way, if I remember correctly, Dan, I think Cincinnati held Tennessee to one of eight, one of ten, one of whatever in the playoffs on third down. That's huge. Absolutely huge. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. The Tennessee Titans started the year 0-2 with a one-point home loss to the New York Giants, followed by a 34-point road loss to the Buffalo Bills. Since then, they're 7-1, but here are the teams they've beaten. The Colts, twice, the Raiders, Commanders, Texans, Broncos, and Packers. Washington is the only team on that list with a winning record at 6-5, and five, and the others are a combined 19-41 with three ties. In this week's Know the Foe segment, I caught up with one of my favorite people in the world, John Burton. We worked together at a TV station in Syracuse when we were just starting out in broadcasting, and now John is a popular sports anchor and talk show host in Nashville. JB, the Titans are 7-1 and one in their last eight. Their only loss during that span was in overtime at Kansas City when they didn't have Ryan Tannehill. That sounds like the profile of a really good team to me, but for whatever reason, they never seem to be mentioned as one of the, the true Super Bowl contenders in the AFC do they feel perpetually disrespected? I think deep down they do. They don't speak on it, Dan, you know, um, but I think deep down they do because you look at where this organization was not that long ago. They went through a two-year stretch where they were 5-27. and 27. Mm. And since then, they've had a winning record every year. They made the playoffs four straight times. This will be five straight. They're about to win their third straight division. They were the number one seed in the AFC last year with home field advantage until your guys came in and ruined the party. And you're right. They never get mentions amongst the elite, either in the NFL or for that matter, the AFC. I think it's the market that we play in. I think it's the fact that even though Derrick Henry's a star, he's not a real, you know, mouthy, dynamic kind of guy. He's just a he's just a lunch pail guy. 
And really this organization and this team is really a lunch pail team. They've got, you know, star players. Derrick Henry's one of them, certainly. And Jeffrey Simmons is becoming an absolute stud on the defensive line. But, you know, they all kind of fall in line to what Vrabel wants them to do. And that's just show up. And he preaches effort and finish and, you know, support your teammates. Don't do a lot of trash talking. Don't do a lot of, you know, stuff that is going to get a lot of attention. I think Vrabel deep down likes it that way. You know, he comes from the Belichick tree, maybe not coaching, but he but he played for him and won a bunch of Super Bowls with him. So I think they like it that way. But if but if you asked him, if you put the Wonder Woman lasso of truth around these players, <laughs> they would say, yeah, you know what? We deserve more respect for what we've done the last four or five years. What was the local reaction after the playoff loss? And what is the atmosphere going to be like on Sunday? Well, I'll start with your first question. Devastation. I mean, nobody saw this coming. I mean, with all due respect to the Bengals, and obviously they had a great run last year getting to the Super Bowl and maybe one Aaron Donald getting blocked away from, you know, play from winning the, winning the whole thing. Nobody expected the Cincinnati Bengals to come into Nashville and beat the Tennessee Titans. Titans were, you know, basically because you look at what the Titans went through last year. They won 12 games despite the fact that they had so many key injuries and they were able to rise above it. You know, the Titans used an NFL record 91 different players last year and had never been done before. And they felt like, you know what? We weathered the storm. We got our guys back. Derrick Henry was coming back off of his injury. Everybody to a man and a woman here in Nashville thought last year was the year that they would at least get to the Super Bowl and a chance, uh, you know, to right the wrong that was done to them back at Super Bowl 34 against the Rams. It was shock. This this was a quiet town for about four or five days, Dan, after Evan McPherson kicked that field goal in the final gun. We're talking to Nashville sports anchor and sports talk show host John Burton. Ryan Tannehill was very candid over the summer about that game. He spoke about being in a really dark place after the three interceptions. He sought therapy. Do you mm -hmm. see a difference in Ryan Tannehill this year? I do. And he's got that look in his eye. And I think, you know, he's a guy, Ryan is a guy that loves to compete and loves to win. And he's had a lot of success here being the uh, Titans starting quarterback, taking over for Marcus Mariota midway through 2019. But the, the book on him has always been, you know what? He's good. He's a good regular season quarterback. He can't get you over the hump. He can't go into Kansas City and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Patrick Mahomes. He can't go into Buffalo and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Josh Allen. And we saw what Joe Burrow did coming in here last year, getting sacked nine times and getting up every time and leading that last second drive. And, of course, the interceptions that Tannehill threw. So I think he's out to prove for a number of reasons, maybe chief among them the fact that he knows his days here in Tennessee are numbered. They drafted Malik Willis in the third round. He appears to be the heir apparent, although he's got a lot of work to do uh, before we uh, before we anoint him the next guy. But I think he knows, you know, he's 34 years old. He's had a good career. He's had a good, you know, reset to his career here in Nashville. He really, really wants to be the guy that to help lead, you know, the, the, the Tennessee Titans to a Super Bowl championship. You know, we'll find out if he can do it. But yeah, he's a different kind of player this year. And he's been able to have success despite the fact that this passing game up until the Thursday night game against Green Bay has been almost non-existent. You know, you lose A.J. Brown and you draft Traylon Burks and we think he's going to be a pretty good receiver. He had a really good game Thursday night against the Packers, but he's been slow to develop. Robert Woods is more of a possession guy. The tight ends haven't really gotten involved. You know, their best receiver has been a, their backup running back, Dontrell Hilliard. He's their leading uh, touchdown uh, catch guy. 
but he's been able to make the plays when the plays are needed to be made. And he is the unquestioned leader of this football team. Everybody in that locker room respects him. And I think the one thing he wants to do before he leaves Nashville or leaves the Titans is at least get them to the Super Bowl. So yes, I have seen a different look in his eye this year. Let's circle back to Derrick Henry. There have been very few running backs in NFL history like him. He's nearly 250 pounds. He's been timed to nearly 22 miles an hour in pads. When teams have success against them, when they slow them down, you're not going to shut them down, but when they slow them down, how do they do it? Is it just hats to Derrick Henry? Is, is that the formula? Yeah, you have to commit to it. You know, you have to say, you know what, Ryan Tannehill beat us throwing the football. And, and with the wide receivers and the, and the lack of deep threats that you have, we're going to bank on the fact that if we stop Derrick Henry, we'll be able to make one or two plays defensively to maybe turn Ryan Tannehill over. You have to commit full time to stopping Derrick Henry. But now that you see what happens in the Green Bay game, right? Tannehill throws for 330 yards. Mm. Burks has seven catches for 111 yards. Woods made some big catches. Austin Hooper, the tight end, had a couple of touchdowns. That's going to make it a little bit more difficult to game plan against because that could loosen things up for opposing defenses. Pretty soon, if this keeps up with the passing game, right, you're going to have to decide, do I walk my safeties up to commit to the run or do I stay back in coverage and let, uh, you know, some of these guys run free in the middle, Burks, Hooper, some of the guys I mentioned. So, um, but yeah, the way to stop Derrick Henry is you've got to go all out and commit to it. I think uh, in the Denver game, even though the Titans ended up, winning, ended up winning that game, that was the best example because they basically said, Derrick Henry, if we lose this game, Derrick Henry is not going to beat us. Fill your gaps, get hats to the ball, bring your friends, you know, get and get him before he gets going. Right. You got to get him in the backfield and you got to hit him low, because if you don't, if he if he gets even with the line of scrimmage, his shoulder square, as a great John Madden used to say, you're in trouble. And if he gets a step on you, you're not going to catch him, even at 250 pounds. A couple more questions for my friend John Burton. The injuries haven't been as bad this year as last year, but they've still got quite a few 15 guys on IR. Hmm. what injuries have had the biggest impact and and is there anybody we should be keeping an eye on this week where that is concerned I think the biggest injury going into this game Dan is uh, their starting center Ben Jones you know he's on he's in concussion protocol did not play in the Green Bay game he is the anchor for that offensive line especially in the running game you know in 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 the center guard gaps you know he's a leader on this team he's pound for pound, the toughest guy on this team. They did okay last week running the football without him, but they had to move some guys around. You know, coaches never like to do that. So Ben Jones is a guy you want to keep uh, keep an eye on. Also the starting cornerback, Christian Fulton, he's been dealing with some injuries. It looks like they're going to get their starting safety, Amani Hooker back, which will be a big boost for them. Um, but, and uh, also I would add uh, outside linebacker, Bud Dupree, Bengals fans are certainly familiar with him from his days with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been dealing with a hip injury. He didn't play against Green Bay. Uh, I believe he did practice today. I haven't got the full practice report. I believe he did at least practice in some capacity today. And, you know, you remember he had a pretty big day against Burrow, uh, as did everybody on that defense in that playoff game. Even though y'all came out with the win, Burrow, Burrow earned that victory. So, those are, those are the three guys you want to keep, uh, keep an eye on, but I would say chief among them is Ben Jones because he's the guy that anchors that offensive line and really, really powers that running game. A couple of uh, Bengals players brought up Danico Autry today. Is he expected to be good to go? 
He is not, and I'm glad you brought that up because I completely forgot about him. Danico Autry is uh, not going to play in this game. He's going to be out a while, um, and he's a guy that's been fantastic next to Jeffrey Simmons in that defensive line. Leads the uh, Titans with seven sacks this year, was on his way to perhaps a Pro Bowl berth, maybe double-digit sacks, and he's he's a classic two-way defensive lineman. Great against the run, great getting after the quarterback. And now with him out of the lineup, it may make it easier for the Bengals to double Jeffrey Simmons. Um, but they have guys like Tier Tart and some other interior defensive linemen, Naquan Jones, which is ironic because they used to have an interior defensive lineman named Daquan Jones, but now they have <laughs> Naquan Jones. Just thought I'd throw that in there, Dan. But yes, Nico Autry is certainly a significant, significant uh, injury for the, for the Titans. And that's going to affect perhaps Jeffrey Simmons' effectiveness on Sunday. So last thing about the defense, they have not given up more than 17 in regulation in the last seven games, which is amazing. We all know Jeffrey Simmons. He dominated that playoff game. Uh, Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan said he's right there with Aaron Donald as one of the two best interior linemen in the NFL other than Jeffrey Simmons. And especially since Danico Autry is out, who are the other standouts on that defense? Uh, I'm going to start with their inside linebacker, David Long Jr. He's an undersized inside linebacker, but he brings the wood. He is absolutely fearless, loves playing the run, extremely physical, not that bad in space in terms of covering guys, but he is, he is a guy that loves to stick his hat in there and, 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 and create havoc. And also, uh, the guy I just mentioned, Amani Hooker, uh, the safety next to Kevin Byard. We all know what Kevin Byard can do, first-team All-Pro. Uh, he's been a great player for the Titans. But Amani Hooker is an emerging star uh, at that other safety spot. Uh, very smart. Knows this defense down cold. Uh, really good against the run. Really good in coverage. And he has a knack for making plays on the ball while they're in the air without fouling. So I would say David Long Jr. and Amani Hooker are two uh, standouts other than Simmons. Simmons is the guy. There's no doubt. And, you know, Bud Dupree bringing, you know, bringing the pass rush. And I'll give you one more, Dan. Uh, Rashad Weaver, uh, second year guy out of pit. He was having a really good year until he got hurt. He was uh, he was on pace to have a, a really good number of sacks. He's back healthy now. So they've got some uh, depth at their outside pass rush. Something two years ago when they went up to Cincinnati and got absolutely torched by uh, rookie Joe Burrow up in Cincinnati. Uh, their, their defense has really, really improved leaps and bounds. This is a top five defense. I would, I would dare say this is a Super Bowl level defense. Mm. The question is, can the offense more specifically the passing game catch up? JB, I could go for an hour with you. We haven't even reminisced about our times as the award-winning duo. I got WTDH time, man. What do you need? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to prepare uh, to look dapper on the TV news, and I've got a radio show to do, so I'll let you go. Appreciate your time. Great stuff as always. Look forward to seeing you in Nashville. Danny, always a pleasure. You know how I feel about you, my man, and I look forward to seeing you as well, and I'm really looking forward to this game on Sunday. It should be a lot of fun. My thanks to my pal John Burton, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Kettering Health, the official healthcare provider of the Bengals, by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals, and by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. If you haven't done so already. Please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth 
Podcast.